0: To forty, and I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. This is the word of God. Uh, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip: Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert this is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah out loud. The Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb is silent before it is, is its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who would describe his generation for his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about, himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus, and he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of God. So today's sermon will be preached by our very own Pastor Charlie, who is a youth pastor for PG2, the year 10 to 12 high school ministry of Sesun, currently studying at Christ College. He enjoys playing sports, going on hikes, and playing music, as most of you are aware. Um, I'd now like to invite up Charlie to preach from God's Word.
1: Uh, Good morning, everyone. Uh, It is my privilege to share God's Word with you today. Um, there was a season in New Life's history between 2010 and to about 2016, where there was a big culture of street evangelism. If you're old, you'll remember, it was called Recon, right? So every Thursday night, a lot of New Life members, will, even life groups will go on a Thursday night, we'll meet at. Town Hall, Wesley Center, we'll pray for about 30 minutes and then we'll go out into the streets. We're going to King's Cross, Martin Place, um, Darling Harbor, Chinatown, and we'll share the gospel to those we met. And I was a young firstie in 2012 and I tried to go regularly. And I was still quite immature in my faith. I didn't know much. Yet there was something so joyful, so innocent, so exciting as we went out as a church to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And yes, it was very nerve-wracking, right? There were still a lot of fears of rejection, right? Not knowing how people would respond. Yet when the night was over, we were all overwhelmed with gratitude and joy. And since, since 2016, uh, my desire and motivation for evangelism or sharing the gospel dwindled over time. And ironically, as I served more at church and I, as I st- started attending Bible college, I actually had less and less contact with non-Christian people. And to be honest, I really missed those days of evangelism. And as I was preparing this sermon this week on you know, being a witness, I actually challenged my, myself to share the gospel to a stranger. So on Friday morning, I went to good old Eastwood. Uh, I went to the bus stop opposite, opposite the, uh, the, the library and a few, I had a few tracks, gospel tracks in my pocket. And I was pacing back and forth, looking at who I could share the gospel to. And there was quite a lot of people, because it was in the morning, waiting for the bus. But to be honest, I was terrified. I was terrified, I was scared, I was fearful. All these worries started to come up in my, hand, in my mind, like, what do I say? What if they reject me? What, what if they curse at me? What if they think I'm weird? And so, after a few minutes of just internal struggle inside my mind, I prayed, God, give me boldness and courage. Give me the words to speak. And after I prayed, I approached an elderly woman who was reading the newspaper. And I started the conversation, like, oh, okay, do you have a few minutes to talk? And I asked her, like, oh, what are you thankful for in your life? You know, what's important to you? And so we just got the conversation started. She was very kind. She was very open to talk. But she was an atheist, right? She didn't believe in God. And she shared what, her reasons. And I, I listened to her. And then I told her uh, I was a Christian. And, and I asked her if I could share my faith. And she was very open to it. like, and so... I shared about my faith, um, I shared about Jesus, I shared about the gospel and what Christ has done. Now, she didn't repent or she didn't have some crazy conversion, um, but I do believe that a gospel seed was planted in her heart. And after she left, you know, I felt this great peace and I felt this was like so good for my soul as it reminded me of the gospel that I believed and a gospel that must be also preached. I remember the joy of being a witness for Jesus. And so my hope and prayer is that as we look through the passage today, that we'd also be challenged and encouraged to live out as witnesses of Jesus in our day-to-day life. Uh, So would you close your eyes with me and, and I'll pray for us. We'll pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the gospel, the gospel by which we are saved, the gospel which we find comfort and joy And this is the same gospel that you also call us to preach and to live out, to share. For it is the greatest treasure that we have. It is a treasure that is to be shared to all people, so that all people can be saved. And so Lord, would you turn our fears into joy? Would you turn burden into delight? Would you encourage us and challenge us to be witnesses of Christ wherever we are? And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have three points for us today. Uh, First point, we have simple obedience, prepared soul, and gospel shared. So uh, point number one, simple obedience. So let me give you the the context of Acts chapter 8. So in Acts Acts chapter 1, Jesus had risen from the dead, and he tells his disciples in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right, and then Jesus ascends up into heaven. As so the disciples, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And the, and during the Pentecost, the Holy Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're filled with boldness and they're filled with courage, and they start preaching the gospel, right, in Jerusalem. And and obviously, there are some people who reject the gospel. Uh, some of the Jews, but there are many, hundreds, and even thousands of people who accept Christ, who believe in Jesus, and the first church was born. But as the number of believers grew, so did the persecution. Many Christians were put into prison, were put into jail, and some were even stoned to death, just like Stephen in the previous chapter. And because of this great persecution, the church in Jerusalem the believers started to scatter. So as you can see on the map, uh, from Jerusalem, uh, they scattered to Judea and the one up north to Samaria. And as these believers scattered, they also began to preach the gospel in Judea and Samaria. And one of these believers was Philip, Philip the Evangelist. And he went to Samaria where he, again, started to preach the gospel and performing signs and miracles. And again, people started to believe Right? People were being saved. They're having a desire to learn and grow in Jesus. And it was in the midst of this successful ministry that an angel of the Lord came and spoke to, to Philip, Philip, go. To go down south, the desert road towards Gaza. Right, So leaving this, leave the successful ministry of the city, of the crowd, of the many, to go to the desert, to the unknown. And what was Philip's response? Verse 27. It tells us he got up and he went. Right? He got up and he went. Simple obedience to God's command to go. And I think that's something that we can learn from Philip and a lot of the, the faithful witnesses or disciples of Christ in the Bible. Right, Simple obedience to God's word and spirit. And I think Philip or people around him could have easily questioned or doubted God. It's like, God, are you sure? Like, don't you see how well our ministry is doing in here in Samaria? Are you sure you want us to leave now? How about a bit later? God, are you, sure you want me? are you sure you want me to go? How about that other person who's not doing much, right? Do you need me to go? Perhaps he did question. We don't know. But at the end of the day, he listened and obeyed. Now, perhaps for some of us, now at the back of our minds, we're kind of scared that God will call me or call us to be a full-time missionary or be a full-time pastor or be a full-time gospel worker and that God will ask me to leave behind my work, my stable work or my comfortable life. And so we pray, God, send people but just not me, (laughs) right? But friends, don't worry. Uh, God doesn't just, No, I don't expect and I don't think God expects that after this sermon, everyone will put their hand up and say, I'll be a missionary, as amazing as that would be. But God doesn't call everyone to be a pastor, a missionary, or a gospel worker. I mean, look at Philip, right? He was the only one called to go. Well, at least is what we read. But having said that, God does set aside certain people for the work of full-time ministry, to be pastors, to be missionaries, to be full-time gospel workers. And so if you're here and maybe there's a conviction in your heart or there's a nudge in your spirit, you know, pray about it. And I go talk to Pastor Young or myself. um, Because there really is a great need for gospel workers. There's always been a great need, and there's always um, a great lack everywhere. And so gospel workers, full-time gospel workers are needed. But even though you're not called to a life of being a pastor, or a life of being a missionary, or full-time ministry, every Christian is called to a life of obedience to Jesus, aren't we? Now, I'm not talking about legalism where you have to follow the rules or laws to be saved because we know very well that salvation is through grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus. But there is a sense where we obey God to honor Him, right? Just as children, or even now, we obey our parents because they are our parents and they know what's best for us, at least most of the time. But how much more should we obey God who is our perfect Heavenly Father, who does know what is best for us. Right? He works all things for the good of those who love Him. But you know, God doesn't just want us to obey out of duty or obligation, but He wants us to obey from a heart of love, right? As an act of love, as He have loved us first, we love Him back. And these simple yet profound words of Jesus in John 14, verse 15 and 16, Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Right? If you love me, you will keep my commands. He doesn't say if you love me, you will live however you want. If you love me, you will keep my commands. We we keep our command, we keep the commands because we love Jesus. And so the call, as we love Jesus, the Holy Spirit will help us and enable us to obey Him. And the call to obedience won't be burdensome, but it will be a delight and joy. Now the, Old, the New Testament you know, talks a lot about how we should live in light of the Gospel. Right? We all know, you know we should read our Bibles, we should pray, fight against sin, you know, pursue holiness and love the church and worship as the church. But today I want to, talk about or focus on being a faithful witness for Jesus Christ. And I think this topic, you know, being a witness or evangelizing or sharing the gospel, it's a very difficult one. It's a very daunting one for a lot of us. It can be quite overwhelming, fearful. We might not know how to approach it. But hopefully, I pray that we'll be encouraged and challenged through today's passage. Because God has prepared souls. And that's point number two, prepared souls. Soul. So as Philip obeys and goes down towards Gaza, he still doesn't know exactly where to go, exactly what he's supposed to do, or who he's supposed to meet. Right, he's just going. But in verse 27, we're introduced to a man. And there's a few important details that we need to know about this man. So firstly, this man was a high official from the land of Ethiopia, He served the queen as like the treasurer, he was the money person. He was influential, he was important, and probably quite wealthy, right? Like successful and respected man. And secondly, it tells us that he had come to worship in Jerusalem. So although he was a Gentile, right, he wasn't Jewish, he must have heard about the God of Israel, Either he feared God or he wanted to worship God, so he, he traveled a long distance all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship in the temple, and now he's going back home. And we know he's quite serious or quite curious about God because he even has a scroll of Isaiah, you know, which wasn't readily available. You know, we have our phones, we all have our Bibles, but back then, scrolls were hard to come by, and it was very... Um, you know, expensive, well, not, anyone could, not anyone could have had the scroll. And so here again, the Spirit tells Philip to go and join the chariot. Right. And from verse 30 to 31, Philip ran up to hear it. He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And friends, now we see why God had told Philip to go down south to Gaza. You know, in Samaria, Philip was ministering to hundreds, if not thousands of people. But now, God is telling him, telling him to minister, to share the gospel to one person. This man was of different ethnicity, different background, different cultures and beliefs we can see how the gospel is now slowly reaching out into the Gentiles, right? It started from Jerusalem, it's spreading out to Judea and Samaria, and now slowly it's reaching out to the ends of the earth. And this reveals the heart of God, doesn't it? His love and care, not just for the many, but His love and care for the individual soul, for the individual person his love for the nations, for all people to be saved. And not only that, we see a person, a heart, a soul that has been prepared by God to receive the gospel. Right? He was a man wanting to worship God, a man seeking God, researching the scriptures. This man was sincere, even religious, yet he was still lost. And he needed someone to share the gospel to him. So that he could hear the good news of Jesus. Someone to be a witness. And God used Philip to save this one man. And it wasn't by coincidence that this Ethiopian man was on the same road with Philip. It wasn't by chance that this man just happened to be reading Isaiah. And As Christians who believe in a sovereign and supreme God, we know that God works all things. He orchestrates all things for his good and perfect will there is no thing, such thing as chance or luck. Now how about for us? How about for you and me? Now, Who has God placed around us so that we can be a witness for Christ? Now, If you're a student and you go to uni, now, think about your colleagues, now, think about your, your peers and your students and the friendship group. Right? It's not random, but God has placed you there. If you're a worker, the workplace that you're at, the team you're surrounded with, the, even the boss that you might not like, It's not by chance or or by random, but God has placed you there. The Christian or even non-Christian friends that you have from high school, again, God has placed you there to be a witness. If you're married and have children, your spouse and the children that you have, they're not by chance, but God has placed you there to have a gospel presence in their lives. And obviously, if you're at uni or at workplace, depending where you work or at, it's very likely that the people are completely different to you, right? Different ethnic background, different upbringing, different cultures, religious beliefs, different world views. And whether their heart is prepared or not, they are also in need of hearing the gospel. So practically, um, how can we be good Christian witnesses either as students or as workers so let me just I thought of a few four points something for you to consider number one is striving for excellence in your work or studies Colossians 3 tells us whatever you do in word or deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him right do your work not just for your boss but as if you're working for God because you are working for God, ultimately. Right? So don't be lazy. Don't just do a half-hearted job, even though everyone else might be doing that. Right? Don't cut corners thinking no one will listen or know about it. Right? Do your work well. Be hardworking. Be diligent. Because it matters to the people around you, and it matters to God. As Christians, let's make a reputation as people who work diligently, who have a high work ethic. Secondly, let's live out the kingdom values, right? Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So think about in your workplace, in your uni setting, how can you bring in these kingdom values, right? How can you bring joy and peace into the place that you work? How can you practice patience and forgiveness, How can you practice kindness or gentleness? How can you show Christ likeness to the people around you? Number three, don't compromise. Uh, But you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these: anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. I don't know, you know what your working culture might be. So some might be you know, good or some might be a bit more unhealthy or you know, promote sinful behaviors or gossiping between colleagues, right? swearing or inappropriate jokes or phrases. Right? As a Christian, make a stand to stay away or not to engage in those kind of conversations or actions that, will, that you'll know will lead you to compromise. Rather, use your words to build up and to encourage For uni students, there are just so many temptations, right? Depending on who you're hanging out with, right? It's so easy to be influenced by the crowd or the majority, but say no and take a stand. Stand firm, and finally, build relationships. And the second is like it: you shall love the Lord, or you shall love your neighbour as yourself. Now, for some of us, that might be the last thing we want to do. Right? to build a relationship with uh, a work colleague. Right? And I'm not talking about a, you know, a romantic relationship, but a relationship where you can get to know that person. Because relationship is foundational for effective witnessing, to know that person, to gain their trust, to know what they're going through. Because it will give us the opportunity in times of their struggle, in times of their need, to speak truth. right? And if you think about it, If you you work Monday to Friday, you spend the majority of your work with those work colleagues, right? More than you spend time with people at church, more than more time than you spend with your friends, and perhaps even your family. So these are relationships worth investing into, and obviously that will take time over the course of weeks, months, or even years to build that relationship. But step by step, um, as we build these relationships. We pray that God will open up opportunities. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of more other practical ways to be an effective witness. But I think there's one more essential aspect that needs to be addressed. That at some point, the gospel needs to be shared. And that's our third and final point. The gospel shared. So the Ethiopian man man, um, was reading the scroll of Isaiah. Right. He bit, but he didn't understand. So he invites Philip to come out to the chariot to explain it to him. So he reads uh, verse thirty-two and verse thirty-three. He was like a sheep. Sorry, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. He will describe his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. Friends, does this passage sound familiar to you? Now, Who is the prophet Isaiah talking about? Now, That's the, that's the question that the eunuch asked Philip. Right? Who is this suffering servant? Is it Isaiah or is it someone else? Please tell me. Now, if you don't know, this passage is from Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53 is like the most amazing and specific prophecies in the Old Testament regarding the future Messiah. And was it by chance that this eunuch was just happened happen to read this ch- chapter? Of course it wasn't. So in verse 35, Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus beginning with that scripture. Now I can imagine Philip telling the eunuch, hey, this passage is talking about the Messiah. He's a suffering servant who's gonna come, he's gonna be despised, he's gonna be mocked, he's gonna be appeased and crushed for our sins. It's the Lamb of God who will take away our sins, who died in our place. That Messiah is Jesus. Right, the Old Testament have been pointing to Jesus all this time. And Philip will probably have shared about the person and the work of Jesus his death and resurrection, and how we can be saved from our sins, right? By repenting and putting our trust in Jesus. Because the next thing we know is that the eunuch wants to get baptized, right? And he does get baptized. He wants to publicly declare his faith in Jesus. And then after he gets baptized, the Spirit of God takes Philip away. All right, so it's, He just like teleports, so he just disappears. But the eunuch goes away rejoicing, being filled with this joy of Jesus. Friends, do you remember the first time you accepted Christ? Do you remember the joy that you felt of the gospel, of being saved? That's what the eunuch is feeling. Right? He's been religious, right? he's been going to the temple, but he hasn't felt that joy before. But now, because he understood the gospel, he's experienced the joy of knowing Jesus. Now, what does this all mean for us? In the previous point, I shared about four ways to be an effective witness for Jesus. And all those related to how we should conduct our lives right in our uni place or our workplace, which is really important. Right, We're living out the gospel, striving for excellence, living our kingdom values, not compromising and building relationship. But this isn't the gospel. What I mean by that is that people who are not yet Christians aren't going to be saved just by looking at the way you live your life, right? They might be, you know, they might be shocked, like, wow, that's, I respect you, but they're not going to understand the gospel just by looking at the lives that you live. They need to hear and respond to the gospel message, right? But you know, this doesn't mean that from tomorrow I expect everyone and every day to you know, tell your work, say, hey, you know, you're a sinner, you need Jesus, uh, and start Bible bashing. That, that's not what I'm saying, because that's probably the best way to turn them off from the gospel, right? But I think we do need to start thinking about it and also praying about it, right? Praying for ourselves that God will give us a greater heart, a greater love for the people that are around us. Praying that God would prepare the hearts and soul that they'll be receptive to the gospel, for God to provide opportunities. God, would you help me? Would you give me opportunities in in my workplace, in my uni setting to share the gospel? God, please open up those opportunities. And also, God, would you fill me with boldness and courage and joy when that opportunity comes our way? Lord, help me to take that opportunity. And you know, I would love for us to be a church that can really share testimonies of how God is working in our unis, in our friendships, in our families and in our workplace of how God is using us to bring people to Christ. And I pray that God would also once again bring to new life a greater zeal, a greater passion for the gospel and to share to those who do not yet know it. Uh, Let me share with you something that really convicted me. Uh, Some of you might be uh, familiar with Pendulette. He's a famous musician in America, but he's quite outspoken in being an atheist, right? He's very anti religion. He mocks Christians and, and uh, religion all the time. But he said this in 2008. And I quote I've always said that I don't respect people who don't, who don't uh, proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever and you think that it's not really worth telling them because it would be, make it socially awkward and atheists would, who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. How much do you have to hate someone to not proselytize? Gillette asked. How much do you have to hate someone, somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that. If I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it and that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you and this is more important than that." End quote. Now, when I first heard that, I was so convicted, because there's truth to what Penn said. As Christians, as people who believe in the Bible, we do believe that God exists. We do believe in heaven and hell. We do believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved, the only way to everlasting life. And the gospel is the most important truth in this world. And you know, I know it can be difficult. I know it can be challenging. I know it can be fearful, the fears. But as we rejoice in our own salvation, right? As we think about the love of God that was first poured out unto us, and as we live in the joy of the gospel, as the Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us boldness and courage, shouldn't the gospel be something we want to share with others? Shouldn't we want to share with others what we treasure and love most? That which is most important to us. Now There are a lot of things that we love in life. We love food. And we eat, you know, we're eat. eager to tell other people the food that we ate. Right? Have you been to this cafe? Have you been to this restaurant? It's so good. Now, we love sharing about the shows and the movies that we watch. Oh, That was such a good movie. Do we have the same joy in sharing Christ. So friends, let's be encouraged and challenged to be joyful witnesses of Jesus Christ. And as I conclude, I think there are some people in this room who may be more like the Ethiopian man. Perhaps you've heard about God, you've even come to church to know Him or to know about Him, you You, know, attend, you might be religious Perhaps you're reading the Bible or listening, but not really understanding. And even though you're here in the midst of 150, 200 people, God is always searching for the individual soul. Just as God told Philip to search and to witness to that one person. You're not here by accident or by coincidence or by chance. You're here because God wanted you to be here. So if that is you, now I present to you the good news of Jesus Christ. We are all sinners deserving of God's holy wrath and judgment. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and a new son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He calls us to repent from our sins, to turn to Christ and to put our faith in him. Jesus is the truth and the way and the life. There is eternal life that can be found in Jesus. Uh, Let's spend a moment um, praying together. Um, I would just like us to pray together. Maybe, Maybe remember the first time the gospel was shared to you. Or remember the first time you really understood the gospel. The joy that you felt. As we remember, remind ourselves of the joy of the gospel, what God has done for us. Let that be our motivation to be witnesses of Christ not to be a burden or a duty but what a joy it is to be able to represent Christ to share Christ to those who do not yet know it so that they too can also experience the joy and the everlasting life that can be found in Christ so let's pray for our own hearts to be reminded of the gospel To be motivated and encouraged and challenged to be faithful witnesses of Christ and for anyone here well a bit more like the Ethiopian man unsure just checking things out still not understanding friends God is calling you today the good news of the gospel eternal life for your sins to be forgiven he calls us to repent repent of our sins trust alone in Jesus to save us let's take a moment to pray and I'll close us off in prayer